Welcome to the Battleground Wisconsin podcast. My name is Matt Bruski, and I'm the Deputy Director here at Citizen Action, and welcome to another week from Wisconsin. As always, we have a full panel, which means Jorna Taylor is with us. Jorna is a nonprofit nonprofit consultant here in Wisconsin. Jorna, how you doing? Uh, apparently better than you, Matt. <laughs> yeah. Well, I can't talk. That's why I host a podcast. Uh, good to have you, Jorna. And as always, Robert Craig, our Executive Director, is with us. Robert, welcome. Good morning, everyone. So it is uh, the first week of the Trump administration, and we are going to avoid talking about Donald Trump directly until later in the podcast, because uh, there's, again, like we said last week, too much to unpack in a short podcast. But we do have some really big news that we're going to start our podcast off with this week. Um, so we're going to get right to it. I think a lot of folks know we have been very active uh, here with our radioactive campaign that came out of our Milwaukee cooperative to try and both challenge right-wing media, but also try to expand the amount of voices that are available uh, in southeastern Wisconsin. And so today, Mike Crute, who is one of the co-hosts of the Devil's Advocate show, uh, is with us to tell us some exciting news related to not only this project, but to uh, expanding voices. Mike, thanks for joining us. What What is the big news? Uh, the really big news, uh, from my perspective anyways, Matt, is I am buying a radio station, and it has almost an immediate change of format. So here's the deal. Uh, the new News Talk, 1510 AM, WRRD, that is a Milwaukee Metro base station, the transmitter is actually in Waukesha, perhaps the reddest county in America. But we are buying this station, and during the term of the license transfer, we have the right to operate this station. We control the format of the station, effective February 1 of 2017, coming up very quickly, Matt. And uh, we're excited to say we're going to do a news talk format from something other than the right. Uh, we're going to call this an independent station, uh, but certainly it's going to offer voices from the left, from the progressive side. That's where my own politics lie. Uh, but what we're certainly looking to do is we're striving to lead with a fact-first uh, news profile. Uh, we want to get away from this sort of alternative fact uh, country and certainly state of Wisconsin. You know, we're done with the partisan uh, agenda-driven news. We're looking to bring it back to facts, and certainly I think many of the progressives like me find ourselves craving facts out there in, in the media landscape. So, Mike, uh, this is Robert. Uh, this is tremendous news. Uh, we've been working with you. You've been advising us a lot, you and Dom, on the Radioactive Project, which is we're trying to break the right-wing media monopoly in southeast Wisconsin, and this at least starts to directly break the monopoly. And this is a station that can be heard not only over all over southeast Wisconsin, but I think you were telling me it gets all the way to Madison. And so this is going to be a place where there can be true diversity of opinion. Progressives don't want propaganda. Progressives want real facts and conversation, and that's what you're going to try to provide for the first time in years on commercial radio in southeast Wisconsin. Yeah, and Dominic and I and Dominic's my sort of libertarian independent, you know, ask him the, the, the topic and he he falls many places on the political spectrum, as many of us do. Uh, I find myself strongly on the left and we've had good success in the Madison market. We know we've had a devoted listenership here in Madison, but with the loss of the last progressive talk radio station in Wisconsin on election day uh, or shortly thereafter, we find ourselves 
uh, in this great position that we have a strong, clear 25,000-watt daytime AM signal. And that's a pretty powerful signal for those that don't know radio. This signal will cross Lake Michigan all the way to, all the, way to the western shore of Michigan. The signal will go south to the uh, Racine State Line area. This signal will, clear signal, will go north all the way up to Lake Winnebago, up to the Oshkosh area. And this signal to the west, uh, clear signal into Jefferson and, and Dane County, uh, distant signal. So it might always not always be the clearest signal, but certainly it is a hearable signal uh, through the entirety of the Madison Metro. So we'd like to think we're almost picking up, you know, one and a half markets or more. Uh, and, and we, um, both my business partner, Dominic, and I, feel very strongly that, uh, you know, the way the politics have been run in this state, the right-wing media monopoly in this state has not served the Milwaukee community. It has not served any of us here in the state of Wisconsin. And I say that even to my friends on the right. They are not being served currently by the governance. I feel strongly that we need to get back to a position where we can argue about policy and about what direction we're moving our state in and stop arguing about which team, if you get an R or a D or, or an I behind your name, uh, that is what I think right-wing talk radio has helped draw a certain polarity. And we're trying to move away from the polarity and give voice to a lot of people. There are a lot of people that don't have any voice in this community currently. And we're super excited, guys, to be able to provide, you know, a voice, a connection with, with vast parts of the community that perhaps haven't had a voice of late or ever. So, Mike, thanks so much for joining us. This is Jorna. Uh, so I have two questions for you. The first, for our listeners, many of whom have probably uh, seen a taping of your show at various events, um, like convention, state conventions or different things, which devil are you? Are you the uh, bald devil or are you the more alternative lifestyle-looking devil? <laughs> I prefer to think of myself as the good-looking one. I, <laughs> I am the bald devil. I am the, uh, the taller... Uh, a uh, less felt guy. Um. <laughs> so, so that was my, uh, you know, just so we know who we're talking to here. Um, you know, my, my second question is, so I hop in my car during the day and, you know, I, I can no longer listen to Charlie Sykes on 620. Sad. Oh, what a disappointment. And I'm driving around Milwaukee and I think to myself, huh, I'm going to put on this new station on 1510 AM and I'm going to listen to the Devils. What what do I expect on your show? Are, are there going to be any national syndicates? Um, you know, what what are we going to hear? Well, Dominic and I have the good fortune. We are a nationally syndicated product. So while we're not currently heard here in Wisconsin, uh, that, of course, changing very shortly, Jorna, uh, Dominic and I are in 16 national markets. Um, Phoenix is our largest uh, that's a market of 3.5 million. Uh, we have lots of West Coast markets, East Coast markets, and uh, especially um, Southwestern desert markets, uh, Nevada, Arizona, New Mexico. So we feel fortunate, Dominic and I do, that we're hearing perspectives about politics from outside the state. Uh, talk radio lends itself to interaction. We certainly want to hear from people. And I know not every right-wing radio host, hell, not every left-wing radio host really wants to hear and communicate with the people. They don't want to be disagreed with. Well, the whole premise of our show is, you know, to be able to disagree and perhaps throw a, a healthy slice of humor in there. You know, not all of politics is life or death. Uh, it's certainly important 
but you know, every day can't be all day life or death. I can't tell you who to hate, who to despise every day. That's not good, I don't think. Um, Jordan, I don't know if I'm answering your question. Uh, do you want to do you want to ask it again and see if I can get to a conclusion here for you? <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I, I'm just looking to to kind of get a sense of the oh, the, the, the variety of yes. programming. Thanks. Um, yeah, I, my brain's turning. I'm not a morning guy. Uh, we will have the Devil's Advocates, which will be starting at 2 p.m. each week weekday, obviously here in the Central Time Zone. We will lead with a Wisconsin Hour each and every day. Wisconsin-centric politics, uh, when appropriate, will turn towards uh, Milwaukee local politics. And we're going to lead our show each and every day looking to the people of the state of Wisconsin and, and south, uh, southeastern Wisconsin especially. Uh, we're going to try and connect with those people for an hour each day. Then we will welcome in, Dominic and I will welcome in a national audience between 3 and 5 Central and then we will replay the Wisconsin Hour for those uh, trapped in their cars between 5 and 6. Rounding out the lineup will be uh, Washington, D.C.-based, nationally syndicated Bill Press, a friend of our show. We just used his studios last week when we were there for the uh, Million Woman March and also the inauguration of Trump. Uh, we will have Stephanie Miller from 8 to 11. She's well-regarded in Madison. I think Milwaukee will like her sort of lighthearted take uh, she's very liberal, very progressive. Uh, Tom Hartman, a very cerebral product. He also likes good debate with people of all viewpoint. Uh, also very fact-driven, very thoughtful guy. Uh, we'll anchor the middle of our day between 2 and 11, uh, excuse me, 11 and 2 p.m. Central. And then we have Free Talk Live, which are uh, a couple of guys that lean more towards my, my partner's viewpoint that will anchor live broadcast between 6 and 9 and those guys work hard. They do it seven nights a week. So they will anchor our six to nine each and every night. Uh, on the weekends, especially initially, we are hoping to bring in Wisconsin-specific voices. And while I don't have any specific contracts in hand, uh, I certainly have talent in mind. And we are li looking to provide voices to, let's say, the African-American community, the Latino community. Uh, we think there is a place, and we certainly want to be inclusive of the broadest possible population because uh, we want this station to be commercially successful. This is not community radio. It's not NPR. It's commercially driven radio. And we've got to put dynamic product out there, and we think we've got a dynamic lineup. Well, it sounds like a great station, and I'm looking forward to uh, to your launch on February 1st. I just want to throw out there, um, podcast producer Brian Wildridge and I are a bit of music snobs, so should you ever need a music critique show, we'd be happy to come on. Yeah. <laughs> well, I can tell you, Jorna, that we, uh, we can certainly make room for a lot of different community-based programming, especially <laughs> on the weekends initially. Uh, some of that is the limitation. I still need to build out a facility. I will be uh, utilizing the facility of the seller of the radio station in the short run and have limited usage hours. But as the license transfers and we move into a full-time facility, I look forward to expanding more local voices on the radio. And, uh, you know, I'm looking to connect with the community. Uh, if you can't come to us, we will certainly come to the Milwaukee community I start each morning in Madison. It's easy for me to go chase these politicians uh, before they get their coffee in them in the morning. And uh, we look forward to be active in the community 
that's the type of radio Dominic and I love to do personally. So, Mike, this is very exciting news, and I just want to say that with our radio active project at Citizen Action, where we have a whole ton of, of members and capacity, we'll keep doing start setting up for right-wing radio accountability, but we think it's critical to provide support and uh, promotion to your station, that your station is going to be much more successful it's, if it's a real community station and progressives and all open-minded people throughout the whole region feel connected to it in some way. And so that's our commitment to you. We don't have to research as much creating our own station because you, you're doing that for us, but that means we can go right into trying to help make it a big success and really opening up democratic dialogue in Southeast Wisconsin where it's been so lacking for years and years. Well, absolutely, Robert. Let me say this. this it might be my name on the deed, folks, but this is not my station. There is no way one guy could do this alone. I got a partner in the radio biz. I got a minority partner in the purchase of, of the station. I've got banking partners. And most importantly, I've got community partners. If people don't support the sponsors, if people don't listen, if people don't help promote this new, you know, non-conservative, independent, fact-based news talk 1510 AM format, uh, well, Robert, it fails, and it might be me that fails financially if that were the case, but this community, this state will fail to move beyond the politics that we have seen entrenched at least for the last six years. And, I mean, hell, this nation needs someone speaking truth to power, and I'm not afraid to be that person, uh, but I'm just one of the many. This is a group effort, and I want to be absolutely clear and the words of President Obama once upon a time, I did not build this. Well, Mike, we, uh, we appreciate you taking the time to announce this uh, very exciting news on our podcast. And, of course, we're, we're really excited that you're taking a risk, actually, um, obviously uh, in buying the station and uh, trying to provide an alternative to what we've had here. So we really appreciate you coming on and uh, getting the word out. And we definitely look forward to listening to your show. Well, Matt, Jorna, and Robert, thank you so much for having me. And I will tell the people as a final, final thought, this is exactly what I wanted to do when I grew up. Uh, I could not be more excited for the launch on February 1. Well, I say that all the time. You know, when I was a kid, I couldn't wait to do a podcast. Oh, that's right. They didn't exist. Anyways, Mike, thanks a lot. We appreciate it. And uh, thanks for uh, opening up Milwaukee's airwaves. Thank you, team. Really appreciate your time this morning. So obviously, uh, we really hope that new station, a fifteen ten news talk. I'll I'll make a little plug there. Uh, does very well, and uh, we really want to encourage all of our listeners to get involved in our radioactive co-op. If you are not an existing cooperative member, even if you are, please join the radioactive cooperative and get involved. This this is just the beginning. This is just one station, uh, and we need to stay in the fight. So we'll have links on our webpage exactly how you can get involved uh, in our radioactive and, campaign. And there's a reason they announced it here, because we've been involved in trying to break the right-wing media monopoly and working with them. They've been coming to radioactive meetings for uh, for a better part of a year, the two devils advocates have. So this is part we're working in tandem with people like Mike Crute, who are actually doing something about the, the right-wing monopoly and providing alternatives. So with that, we are going to quickly, we have to talk a bit about what's been happening in the state this week. We will get to Trump. but So this week, Governor Walker uh, came out and announced that he is going to continue his assault on parents uh, who 
need food stamps and need access to housing. He is going to make them work at least 80 hours a month in order to to, to access this. This uh, was immediately attacked by housing advocates, people who work on trying to deal with hunger. And of course, just, you know, this is obviously really just bad policy. Jorna, I mean, I'm sure I'm sure you uh, saw this news this week. Well, Matt, I think you're being harsh on the governor. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to quote him right here. There will be some critics out there who will say somehow this is an attack on the poor. I couldn't disagree anymore, Walker said. If you love your neighbor, the best way to help your neighbor is to help them get back up on their feet again and control their destiny. Dude, Scott Walker's a jerk, like a big fat jerk. Yeah, look, I mean, we've talked about this. We're we're sitting in an economy that this man went around promising quarter of a million jobs, and we are far from that. And this is not an economy that is producing jobs that actually uh, create real economic opportunity. It's producing a what it is producing is some poverty wage jobs. And the notion that he is running around telling families that they need to work 80 hours a week in order to even just have access to housing. This is this is crazy, given the lack of an economy that actually would support such demands, Robert. Well, this isn't some sort of obscure policy we just found somewhere. It's not like the child labor bill. Uh, this was a huge public relations offensive by Governor Walker. And it's not him misunderstanding the economic situation. It's him understanding politically that he's done very little for the economy despite his promises and that he needs to blame it on people who aren't doing well rather than on himself and on all of the campaign contributors that are at his trough at, at, the, at, at, at WEDEC. And so this is uh, a horrible kind of ideological attack. It's very reminiscent of some of the stuff we're seeing with Donald Trump during the campaign and currently. And unfortunately, it, it does build into a lot of uh, prejudices people still have about why people are poor, how, how hard the poor work. They actually work really hard, uh, uh, but have incredible insecurity. Most uh, poor people in Wisconsin are working. And so, and it doesn't deal into, it take into account not only the fact that there are not a, so, enough family supporting jobs. In fact, we still hemorrhaging family supporting jobs. There are enough jobs or family supporting jobs, either one, right? And then you have other things like we don't have a serious mental health system in this state. So some of these folks literally have mental health issues and have trouble working uh, and doing these things. And then they lose their food. And how do we know this? Because food's kind of important. People do a lot to get food, right? Well, 40,000 people lost their food shares when Governor Walker imposed this on people without minor children. Uh, so that's partly why they have a surplus right now, because they're saving money by uh, having people go hungry. And I got to tell you, if people go to his low-grade job trainings and then go and find jobs uh, in order to eat, they do it, right? And so, but the problem is, is that this plays well. This is You can see this is part of his 2018 re-election. And we need to take it on frontally and begin to change the public worldview, not the whole public, but a, a large part of the voting public, on what's going on and make people understand that this guy uh, is evading responsibility here for his own record in his, in his, in his, in his desperate hope to reelect himself yet again. Look, and let's be clear, this is not just Democrats and progressives or, you know, yelling about this. David Lee, who's the executive director of Feeding Families, right? Their, their feeding, job— Feeding Wisconsin. Excuse me, uh, Feeding Wisconsin. Their, their job, right, is to essentially advocate 
uh, on behalf of people who use food shelters, right, and who have who are really struggling for access, right? And he just blasted this program and just was very clear that this is going to expand the amount of people who are hungry and children, right? I mean, we're talking about kids here, and that's the reason why these are the folks that still have this program, because we're talking about parents that have children. And so it's just, it's very clear that this is going to have serious negative impacts. It will do very little. This isn't going to stimulate the economy. And let me, let me, unstimulate it, but let me say one other thing here. If, let's say, for people in our audience who, who are, who do think are more in Walker's direction, at least on poverty and people needing to work. I think people need to work, but people need to be given the real opportunity to work before we start throwing them off of housing. It's housing vouchers as well and food shares. But if Governor Walker was serious about caring about uh, low-income people in this state, then he would actually have built a valuation into the last food share work requirement that drove 40,000 people off food shares and be curious about why they were not doing it and wonder whether it was something wrong with the program that needed adjustment or change, even if he still believed in this. Why hasn't he done that? Why is there no evaluation built in? Because he does not care. In other words, he's willing for people to go hungry and kids to go hungry now because this is now families for his own political benefit. And I think that's the definition of gross immorality. I'm sorry. I don't care if his father was a minister or not. Uh, this is this is this is incredibly antisocial and exploitive behavior by our governor. So again, we're going to be having a conversation about the economy, about our state budget over the next three, four months uh, in the state. Uh, governor Walker is going to give his budget address on February 8th. And all of this fits in. Right. And What's important to understand this week, we had some news that actually kind of talks a little bit about the priorities that are at stake to actually create an economy uh, where, where communities can thrive and opportunity actually exists for our, our citizens. Um, one of the things we found out this week is that the manufacturing tax loophole that was uh, passed a few years ago that essentially ostensibly is about creating jobs, even though you don't have to actually create any jobs to get the tax loophole, uh, is going to cost the state now $1.4 billion up until uh, 2019. So this is a growth in that projection. And uh, last week, we talked extensively about the Wisconsin Budget for All that we released with a number of other organizations uh, that would really get out front of Walker's budget to talk about what we could do if we actually took this tax credit, also took the Badger Care money, um, and put it towards priorities that we all care about. So those that that credit, or excuse me, loophole grew this week, and it means that there's much more that we could actually do. And that is the discussion we need to be driving over the next couple months. What should we be doing to actually create an economy where people could have a good job and not just be forced into some crap job that the governor has plans and, for them? And again, because we talked about this last week. Uh, this is not a policy mistake. This was the biggest uh, political demand of Wisconsin Manufacturers and Commerce, which is the chief driver of dark money, including in governor's races, state Supreme Court races in Wisconsin for decades. It's straight out political payback, manipulation of the system. And then you turn around and say, oh, we can't fund the schools. There's no money. We can't fund transportation. There's no money. And it started out uh, with the Fiscal Bureau saying this would cost about $250 million, uh, which was which is, of course, way too much anyway it doubled into the fives and now it's now it's increased by another uh by another 50 percent and so 
and are, are they looking at that? Are they thinking, well, my goodness, it's it's almost triple what we said it would cost. So do we need to, should we roll it back? Should we look at it? Of course not. And was there any evaluation built into it to make sure it actually was creating any jobs, which it's not tied to? No, of course not, because that's not what it was about. It was about a big, wet kiss for the large corporate interests that are behind Governor Walker. Whoa. Whoa. Robert, that was a big, wet kiss. Was, wow. Yeah. Um, you know who else is getting a big wet kiss? Who's that? Um, people who are getting private uh, school tax benefits. Oh, another little gem from this week, Jarna. Could you enlighten our listeners what you're talking about? So, um, so folks who are making more than a hundred grand a year are um, actually getting two thirds of the private school tuition tax cut. Uh, so for our listeners who don't remember, this is the tax cut that I believe passed um, while I was sleeping. I'm sure, Jorna, maybe you're up at three or four in the morning. Oh, yeah, every day. It was <laughs> slipped into one of their bills that essentially gives a tax break to people uh, attending private schools. Well, and, you know, this tax break was was designed, of course, to help those folks in places like Milwaukee and um, cities provide better opportunities and choices for their children to go to different schools and get a quality education, right, Matt? I mean, that that was, of course, the rhetoric I heard. Well, look, I mean, this is really important. Sorry, I'm we, being snarky. Well, look, it, but the, the snark is important because it's incredibly frustrating. We're talking about a budget, right? What are, what are we going to spend our priorities on? And here's another example proving that we're giving away money when we know our uh, K-12 through public education system has been caught significantly under the Walker administration. And it's not doing any of those things. And most of the manufacturing agriculture tax credit goes to 10 very wealthy people. So who knew all these people needed so much help? And what are they going to do? do? I assume that they're willing to raise other taxes so they can help expand opportunity for everyone else. Well, you know, once again, it's all of these pieces just pulling back the, the curtain to see that the wizard is behind there, the wizard Skywalker is behind there, uh, dismantling our state and giving, a, giving it away to the top 1%. Well, I will, uh, speaking of big wet kisses, we should yes. actually give a, a, a good big wet kiss shout out to Gordon Hintz and other Democrats who got out front on this right away, got a lot of media around this really, and talked about it in terms of how we're talking about it, that this is... Uh, not something that's even tied to job creation and how it is w- while we're having a university system that's a struggling. But, here. So, but Matt, we need to Gordon, cut. there you go. Big but, wet kiss coming from the podcast. But at the same yeah, time, yeah. we also need to cut wages yeah. for workers this <laughs> yeah. week, right? Yeah. yeah. It, well, so Robert, I assume you're referencing the uh, Republicans' attack on project labor agreements. Um, look, this is this is an, uh, another classic Republican move. Not only is it anti-worker and really going after good jobs and making sure that we have high quality workers on large public works projects. But it's it's classic Republican in that they say they're about local control and really all they're doing here is removing the ability of local municipalities to use project labor agreements uh, in, in some of their big important projects. And this is something that uh, a number of communities have used and quite frankly also large uh, companies and businesses when they have big projects that they need to be done well and on time and uh, so yet again here we have the Republicans stepping into an area no one's asked them to do uh, other than their big uh, big donors and the only thing that's going to suffer is not only the quality of our projects but also uh, workers and the amount of money that uh, the average worker is able to make this will certainly drive down likely drive down wages in, in certain public works that's projects. not likely it's the point thank you <laughs> <laughs> excellent so with that though we do need to talk a little bit about 
Donald Trump. Um, this is the first week of Trump, Jorna. That is not President-elect Trump anymore. It's President Trump, and that's even more frightening. Look, um, it's what, day seven officially today? It'll be day eight by the time you all are listening to this uh, podcast. And I believe an executive order is being written as you speak. There's many executive <laughs> orders that have disturbed me, you know, starting out with uh, global gag rule being re-implemented, um, you know, for folks that know that stops any sort of U.S. funds from going to any international organizations that are supporting family planning, basically. It guts the ability of organizations to provide safe, accessible, reproductive healthcare services to women, families, children um, worldwide. So that got me. So that was one gag. Another gag that was, was that uh, gag. no EPA <laughs> officials can talk about global warming or something. And in fact, government officials apparently can't do Facebook posts uh, without their without permission, so who but knew, he can tweet all he wants. Who knew that the Facebook pages of our national parks were such a, were, were sowing the seeds of sedition? Um, and, and Jorna, I really need you to comment on Trump and yeah. his talking about voter fraud again. Yeah. We just can't seem to get so, off this. So he is going to launch a major investigation into all capital letters voter fraud. Yes, which uh, doesn't exist. Which uh, it doesn't, it, but it doesn't <laughs> matter, right? It doesn't matter that it doesn't exist. It does not matter how many studies. Um, independent organizations or, you know, regular, normal, sane-minded people put forward that voter fraud is not a thing. Uh, he is going to attack states that did not vote for him. He is going to continue to attack people who did not win him the popular vote and launch this major investigation into supposedly all of these illegals quotes and all of these dead people who mind you have been dead for many years of course and the scope of this investigation is one unknown at this point it may go back many election cycles and uh the department of justice has yet to sort of take this up they're kind of like um ah you're crazy but we can't say that out loud yeah this 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 it's a witch hunt this reveals something he may he may look like he has sort of thick orange skin but he's really thin-skinned i mean he can't let this election go the fact that he really did lose the election right let's he can't let it go that bugs yes the crap out of him it bugs him a lot and the number's significant right it grew and grew and so conveniently the amount of fraud just sort of gets him slightly over that bump robert you could <laughs> say self-destructs because if he actually tried to be presidential now he might actually have opinion uh poll ratings high enough to justify him being legitimately the president of all the people, but his behavior does the opposite. But don't under underrate his propagandistic capacities. When he's making the media all like a herd all look one way, we should be looking the other and seeing what's really going on. And the racial parts of this are particularly horrendous. So on the border wall, which apparently, believe it or not, will not be a wall across the whole area, though Mr. Trump will deny that. Um, and we're paying for it. I, I heard the uh, head of the border guards union, which supported Donald Trump. So I should say that AFL-CIO in Wisconsin did a great job in the Project Labor Agreement this week and our friend Stephanie Bloomingdale. But this particular union, we should remember that they're Trump supporters because, guess, you get more border guards if you go and do this. He said uh, on, on, the rate, on national media this week that the border wall is not racist because these people are illegal. So just think about, mull that through your head, that apparently it's not, it is, is, 
if, if someone has violated a law, then they have no rights and nothing you do against them could be uh, motivated by race. Uh, just oh, I don't even have to argue about this other than to see this is the new, this is Trump's America. Yeah, no, Trump's America uh, after week one is playing out pretty much as scary as I think we had anticipated. And it's actually going to require a lot of courage. It's, it's very clear. And so one of the things we want to do uh, as we move, move on in this uh, Trump world is talk about things we can do locally, both at, in the state, but also in our municipalities and even just within our, 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 our networks to, I'm not going to say resist, although resist is certainly a word some people like, but to actually, you know, start to, 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 to fight back and to lay out an agenda, an opposing agenda. And so to that end, right, this, this week and on Wednesday, Trump did the executive order Robert mentioned around the wall, but he also did another one that is intended to essentially strip funding and uh, from so-called sanctuary cities, right? And I think we've talked about this before, uh, the importance of cities that are uh, around the country stepping up and telling people in their community, we will protect you, we will support you. And so today, um, we wanted to have on uh, a second guest, we don't often do that, but a second guest to actually talk about Milwaukee County and what Milwaukee County is doing to fight against Trump, but in particular, really, to actually fight against this type of discrimination. And so we're really excited to have Milwaukee County Supervisor Marina Dmitrievich on to tell us about what Milwaukee County is doing, uh, I guess you could say to prepare uh, and organize for the age of Trump. Marina, thanks for joining us. Yes, hello. So tell us more about what, uh, under your leadership and others at the Milwaukee County Board, you guys did yesterday, Wednesday here. Yesterday morning, uh, something really special happened, um, especially with the Coalition for an Inclusive Wisconsin, led by uh, Voces de la Frontera. Uh, the NAACP was present, um, the Islamic Center of Milwaukee. Uh, over 100 people uh, rallied and signed up to testify and register in support of our anti-discrimination bill. Um, you know, in this time, uh, as we're faced with uh, President Trump's 100-day agenda that he's implementing already in the first, you know, seven or eight days here, um, we need to step up our actions locally. And what I said yesterday was that um, no action is unacceptable. We have authority in local government. We're the government closest to the people, and we can stand up and we must protect uh, those who live in our community. So our legislation, um, just a few pieces of it, uh, make sure that we're not allowing any hate or division or discrimination within our county. Uh, we'll never participate in any kind of Muslim registry or ban. Um, it's supporting immigrant rights, saying we won't participate in some of these uh, really terrible, divisive, um, executive orders that are coming through. We won't stand by idle as families might possibly be torn apart. Um, it talks about climate change and the effects that it'll have on our parks, moving forward on uh, funding for transportation, and especially protecting the LGBTQ communities as well. And all that happened as President Trump um, put forward his executive order to change the visa and refugee program. Well, and this is, uh, well, first of all, Thank you for doing this, and, and thanks for, for leading in this time. And 
other cities are doing this. So the, the, what's great is this is in a broader context of other large cities and smaller communities uh, already. Some, some did this in preparation, I guess you could say, uh-huh. but uh, many have responded since, since the election. And um, we see it as really, really important in what you're doing. We'd love to see other communities in Milwaukee and, and leaders uh, in Wisconsin, I should say, uh, do similar things on, on a whole host of things th- uh, that we could see uh, impacted by this administration. That's right. So actually tonight, Thursday night, um, Dane County has a very similar um, ordinance uh, coming up before them. And we know that um, just yesterday I saw basically all coasts, <laughs> the West Coast um, in Los Angeles, uh, certainly the mayor of Chicago, Ram Emanuel, and then most prominent Mayor Bill de Blasio, um, saying that they will keep uh, their legislation on the books that specifically protects immigrants and make sure that their cities and counties are a safe place for all, and that they will not be bullied. I think that is probably one of the biggest um, things that we have to take away from this as we organize locally. I've had a few people say to me, well, what about the threats about cutting federal funding? Certainly that's important, but at the same time, we have to unite in solidarity and not be threatened. Um, There still is a constitution, and there are states, and we have local authority, and we must stand um, strong and united and not be bullied uh, by this president. Well, we thoroughly agree. And um, I believe also uh, the the, uh, district, or no, the city attorney from Madison uh, came out suggesting that there's, they, they feel pretty strongly that Trump's threat to withhold funding doesn't actually hold water. So that's encouraging. And uh, But your point, even if it did, is we do have to stand up. Um, Marina, if, if there are other state legislators, or excuse me, st- yeah, sure, state legislators or local elected officials out there um, who are interested in hearing more about what you did or, or just, you know, talking with you, because I know part of this is trying to figure out how we can organize uh, across the state. Um, should they, can they, are you asking them to maybe get in touch with you, or is, how, do you, how do you see this going even maybe beyond Milwaukee County? Sure. This is part of a national effort and strategy. Um, you know, with the Working Families Party, we have the um, Resist Trump Tuesdays. Um, we just worked with Citizen Action this last Tuesday um, in Senator Johnson's office. You know, I think we had such um, great uh, amounts of people at the march last Saturday, but now it's like, so now what? You know, are, are we going to do an action every week? Yes, we are, <laughs> if that's what it takes. And I think the local governments still have um, the relationship closest to the people and the power and the authority. So I urge you to contact folks. Um, people can uh, contact me, and I am, I'm happy to send over a sample piece of legislation. It can be customized to your own community. And let me just tell you, yesterday, with over 100 people, and especially people from our immigrant community, speaking up about their personal fears and how they feel singled out, and they feel that um, those who have been divisive have been emboldened by Trump's actions, you know, it's time to not just only resist and stand up to Trump, but also, like you said, produce positive, affirmative um, actions that, that show our values and highlight them in this time of need. People said that they felt very safe um, and proud that their local government was standing up. And I just want to share one comment. A little boy, an eight-year-old, testified and said that he had recently visited Thailand, and people were so nice to him that he just wants people to be nice to to anyone or, or anyone from Thailand if they ever come to visit the United States. And I found that to be really, really powerful. 
Well, Marina, we appreciate you taking time to join us and educate us as to what you're doing, but also hopefully inspire us and other leaders that uh, uh, there's a lot we can do and must do uh, looking forward. So thanks a lot for, 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 for leading and joining us again. All right, great. Let's move that resistance forward. All right. With that, Jorna, what are you doing this weekend? Uh, so this weekend, I will be incredibly busy with celebrating the accomplishments of everybody's favorite orange cow pony, Reno. Wait, what did Reno do? Did he win something? Reno? Does he have a toupee? He does <laughs> does not he have a toupee. Could he you does not take a have pic- small hooves. Could you do that? Could you make that happen? <laughs> toupeed Reno. He does not have small hooves. So it is our, uh, I am the president of my um, Wisconsin Horse Association that uh, I show on Hunter Jumper. It is the Wisconsin Hunter Jumper Association. And we have our annual awards banquet on Saturday night at the uh, Milwaukee County War Memorial. And um, our producer, Brian Wildridge, is making get drunk signs at me. And it's true. <laughs> I absolutely will because it is an all-volunteer organization. <laughs> but um, you would think the members didn't really appreciate or know that. So. I will be real, real glad when it is Sunday morning. <laughs> so we'll post uh, pictures of Jorna in her previous uh, youth as a hunter-jumper. Oh, pro, uh, dear God, in my outstanding. perms. Yes, there were many <laughs> photos floating around could, Facebook could this we week, Jorna. a cute picture of Reno from of the co- horse show? Well, if you can that send me better. one of Reno, we'll, we'll post on our podcast so people can see what Jorna does on her weekends. Robert, what are you doing this weekend now that winter is coming back? Well, this may pass muster with Matt for furlough. So I am flying out to State College, Pennsylvania, because one of my best friends, John Gastel, uh, is having his 50th birthday. He's chair of the communication department at Penn State, fellow UW Badger PhD. That's where I met him. And so uh, he's a big expert on democratic deliberation, if anyone wants to look up his books. But anyway, um, this should be a good time, and I'm bringing him Badger-themed gifts, since he's, uh, we need to prevent him from being taken over by Happy Valley and Nittany Lion craziness over there and keep his Badger roots. Yeah, John's a great guy, so uh, you have fun. That sounds like a great weekend. Um, I'm actually starting my weekend tonight. It's my wife's birthday, so we kind of have a running gag in our family where I seem to, whenever there's an opportunity to give her a gift, give her Red Lobster gift cards. I'm not sure why. We don't find the place to be particularly great, but we love going to Red Lobster, so we'll be going to Red Lobster tonight again. Um, Very much looking forward to that, and I'm glad winter's coming back. We need the ice back. Get a little ice riding in, hopefully sometime soon. Um, With that, uh, we, we need to go. It's been another long week here at the Battleground Podcast. We want to thank Brian Woldridge, our producer, who makes it happen every week. And, of course, we want to thank Mike Crute and the exciting news of 1510 News Talk Radio and Marina Dmitrievich, Milwaukee County Supervisor, for coming on and telling us how we can all stand up and organize in the time of Trump. And we will see you next week here at the Battleground Wisconsin Podcast. Battleground.